Welcome to the Education Innovators Podcast. I'm Eric Byron, and it's an honor to host this show where we get to hear from talented educators who are willing to share their stories of the incredible things they are doing in learning environments all over the world. And what I'm seeing so many customers need our help with is going from fear to adoption. How do we get past the fear of knowing and then harness the power of AI to improve student outcomes, which begins with educators and faculty. That's the voice of Serena Sachs-Mandel, the Global Chief Technology Officer for Education at Microsoft. She's my guest in this two-part series that explores her role at Microsoft and the impact she is having leveraging technology to deliver improved learning outcomes for students. I was excited to have the opportunity to speak with Serena, who's an absolute powerhouse in education thought leadership with global influence. She talked with me between her keynote at the EDU Tech Europe conference and a scheduled keynote coming up in Japan. All right. Well, welcome to the Education Innovators Podcast. I'm Eric Byron. I am joined today by Ms. Serena Sachs-Mandel, and she's the Global Chief Technology Officer at Microsoft for Education. Prior to joining Microsoft, uh, you were Chief Information Officer at two unique, technically advanced large public school districts where you enabled student-centric teaching and learning, which resulted in significant improvements in student outcomes. Sorry, it sounds so red instead of spoken, but I am reading it. That's why it sounds that way. Okay. Prior to pivoting to education, though, you led technology innovation teams at IBM, Walt Disney World, and Harcourt. By the way, so we have overlap there, right? Both of us worked at Walt Disney World and at Harcourt, and we worked at Harcourt right. together, right? So sort right. of transparency there and uh, how I got you to be on the show, I guess, because you knew me from uh, a bunch of years ago, but we won't talk about how long ago that was. What else have you been doing here? You uh, you have, well, you consulted with a bunch of organizations. You've also won a whole bunch of state, national, and global awards. I did uh, pull out a few, I noticed. So uh, this year, um, CIO Look Top Women in Tech to Watch. In 2021, Global 100 Education Visionary and Technology Leader. Uh, 2020, HMG Strategy, Technologist Who Matters. The list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. um, you've really had amazing accolades uh, for your career. And so I want to talk a little bit or get us started here by talking about your current role as a CTO, global CTO at Microsoft for Education. Um, sounds like a big job. Can you distill that down to a few specific things you're responsible for? Absolutely. I'm only one person. I can only do so much. So I really get to leverage my experience uh, and my knowledge and my passion for transforming education with our customers, with our internal engineers, our marketing and our sales groups. So I help build the capacity of understanding uh, an education with the field to help them to serve their customers uh, more effectively, just with more empathy and understanding. But uh, you know, so I sit at the intersection of sales, marketing, and engineering within Microsoft. But because I am so connected with thought leaders globally for uh, ed tech, I also bring that 
thinking that I that I gather from other thought leaders into Microsoft and then share uh, what I'm seeing. So I'm on the executive board of One Ed Tech, which is interoperability across higher ed and K-12 infrastructures, and it's global. And, and so it, it helps sitting on that board, uh, the bi-directional feedback, and just you know meeting with um, you know global leaders in this space. I both share information and gather information, and then you know so I feel like I'm. I'm a connector. I'm a connector of of dots, of information, of people. Uh, there's a lot of uh, startups, ed tech startups that I talk with on a daily basis and help guide them how to become a Microsoft partner, how to uh, leverage Microsoft resources to serve the uh, ed tech sector. So, I mean, my my favorite part of the role really is I just got back from uh, Amsterdam and London, where I I met with. Tremendous thought leaders and uh, influencers, people that are taking action in this space, both higher ed and K-12, and helping them chart their journey. Uh, and it was digital transformation. Now I call it, you know, the AI transformation journey. And what I'm seeing so many customers need our help with is going from fear to adoption. How do we get past the fear uh, knowing and then harness the power of AI to uh, improve Student outcomes, which begins with educators and faculty and administration understanding more about AI so that they can take advantage of it. Cool. I've got a, a question teed up for you later about sure. that specifically and, and how we teach teachers about AI. Yes. And get them. And we talk a lot about right, that. Right. Away from the fear factor. So right. What about decisions you make? So in your role, you, you talked a lot about connecting people, and, and I, I totally get right. that. Um, but what about decisions? What decisions do you have to make in your role? Well, luckily, I, I actually and, and I actually don't make that many. It's more like I'm learning. I'm a sponge. I'm always okay. learning. You know, we have new products coming out like every month that I have to constantly learn about so that I can share that with my customers. So it's it's less about decisions and it's more about sharing. So I, I don't actually have a team. I'm an individual contributor. In my previous role, I had about 300 people. And honestly, I, I love leading people. I love building teams. Uh, and I want to do that again someday. But right now, uh, I'm so energized by the work of transforming education. And I lead through influence and collaboration. Okay. How about an initiative that you're if not sponsoring, kind of championing um, something you've seen that you got behind and said, we got to go do more of this. Anything? Oh, so many. So uh, in, in the last few years, really data analytics has stood out to be uh, the, the thing that I'm helping our customers the most with. So education has traditionally lagged behind some other sectors and having, like, as you said, you know, I have this commercial IT experience. Data and analytics has always been a passion because it's so important to running any organization. And what I found when I came into um, education, both the Florida Virtual and Fulton, is they had very, very immature data analytics functions. And you also referenced some of my awards. The award that I'm actually most proud of is the CIO 100 2020 Award, which was a team award. And my team did a fantastic job of building dashboards. So we had to kind of reinvent the whole data warehouse and it was on-prem at that point. It is now in the cloud. But we had 15 failing schools in the district in Fulton County schools and they were at risk of being taken over by the state. So we worked with the leadership teams of each of those schools 
And we created what we called a baseball card. So it was like a half sheet of paper. And we're just going back a few years and, you know, the, uh, the 20 teens. And it uh, seems like a lifetime ago between COVID and, and, and AI, generative AI and all of that. We worked with them to do this half, this baseball card with a half sheet of paper with a student's picture and their latest formative assessment results. And the schools would create a win room, hang up these uh, baseball cards so that they would focus the education for each student on exactly what they needed. Mm-hmm. And record, just a record. Within a year, we turned around 13 of the 15 schools and then continued to turn around the rest of them. That's like unprecedented. And we did that with data and analytics. The, the analytics were refreshed nightly and we got it out to the schools, and it, but it was very manual. So now with AI, we we can make the educators' jobs so much easier. So that's really what I, I've championed uh, the last few years. Is And it was before we even had generative AI. It was just using ML, uh, making a recommendation engine so that the educator could just personalize that education for every student every day. And that is really the formula that we need to kind of make up. And I know the learning loss is uh, a bad word to use sometimes, but you know, there's gaps in students' learning. It's, you know, just honestly, we're still seeing these huge gaps in learning. And whether there was a pandemic or not, students are at different places at different times. There is no average. And so personalization, student agency, you know, all these things are just so, so needed. And and to me, the data and the analytics is the heart of that. Whether you apply the AI, that just makes it more efficient and more productive. So does that, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and it doesn't surprise me that you like data and analytics and uh, and leverage that. I, I think that uh, may be one of the keys to your success for a number of years. Um, it's, yeah. Yeah. So between PMO, like executing projects, you know, project management, business analysis, but the projects usually revolved around some kind of data and analytics in every single organization. Yeah. And that is, that is the formula. Well, I asked you earlier about decisions and of course you can't make decisions without data, right? Exactly. So, um, so I'm yes. leveraging I'm leveraging data analytics to help others make informed decisions. Yeah. And I like quoting a colleague, we want value-driven and data-informed decisions. I know that the common thing is, oh, we want data, data-driven decisions. Well, let's make sure we use our values first and inform that with data. Yes. Good. Excellent. All right. So I'm going to take you back a little bit because say we worked together many years ago and what yes. i remember about you is that you you were very organized and kind of clear of purpose right any interaction i had with you you seemed to know you knew what you were doing you knew what you wanted you had great confidence that you knew what should be done and so the question i have for you now you've gone you know way beyond what you were doing there, which I think was PMO, a project management office, for those who don't know the term. And so where does that confidence come from? Oh, my. (laughs) I'm so glad you're saying that. I don't really have a great perspective of myself 20 years ago. So it's, it's interesting to hear that. So in every job and every day, uh, my mantra has always been in my inner voice. What can I contribute? How can I add value? And what can I learn? So I'm always in learning mode. I'm always building my my skills and my tools, even now. And uh, I mean, who knew much about generative AI before a year ago, right? And I'm certainly a lot of very smart people have been working in AI for 20, 30, 40 years. But 
And I knew enough about, you know, the ML and the cognitive, but generative AI uh, I'm learning about. So we're all, you know, if you keep that growth mindset, the always learning and keep building your tool set. But I, I, I feel like I should bring into the conversation that uh, I'm finishing up a book that I've written. And it is really the answer to the question that you're asking about, you know, how how do you lead? How do you become a leader? And the book is intended to uh, empower and uh, inspire the next generation of leaders, whether it's in technology or, or others, but uh, it's it's similar. I think technology is kind of a, it's, it's just, you know, all over pervasive. Yeah. I may have more confidence than I deserve. <laughs> you know, and I said that to my husband the other day, he says, no, no, you, you are, you should be confident. I'm like, yeah. yes, but I, have this voice in my head that I can do this. And certainly with PMO, I had already learned so much from my, you know, I was at IBM and I, I wrote thousands of statements of work. I helped the project management. I knew how to do it from all my years of experience at, at Disney. I implemented project management methodology where there was none. And so by the time and, and balance scorecard, all the metrics and data to go with it. So by the time I got to Harcourt, I knew how to run a PMO. I knew it better than most. I helped write the the PMBOK for PMO, so the Portfolio Management Body of Knowledge, and uh, the Generation 1. You know, I, I did really feel that was clear, but I didn't stop there, as, as you noted. After being a professional project manager, I uh, became an enterprise IT governance uh, certification. I got that. And then uh, later, I got Six Sigma. And now, you know, I have accessibility and sustainability and Azure and cloud. And so you just kind of yeah. keep building that tool set so that you feel confident when when you're doing your work. But I just um, I guess I'm putting in a shameless plug for my book, but it's really about. I, I was hoping I mean, you would. I, I actually was disappointed. I went looking for it because I, I heard you talk about it on a podcast in July and it sounded yes. like from that you were hoping it would be out in October. And I was like, well, it's October. You know, can so, I get it? But. I'll explain that. Um, I I was all ready to release in October. And I got this feeling like I need to take another pass through this. I need to go through one more set of edits. It's been written since mid-year, since July. It's the editing that is, yeah. is time-consuming and uh, emotionally um, – it's emotional too. Okay. And so, and I've been on like um, a two month international travel and I have an other six weeks uh, through Thanksgiving. So my plan is to finish the editing process in December and publish in like January, February. And I, I feel terrible that it's delayed because I want to get it out there uh, because I know everyone I talk to, it's just like, I can't wait to read it. And, and we know each other from a long time ago, but really what the book is about is overcoming personal and professional challenges. Mm. And I've had more than my fair share. So the, the confidence is, um, you know, somewhat when I was younger, driven by um, maybe not the best emotions, more about like uh, anger and um, proving, you know, myself. And uh, since I started in educational technology, it's really about purpose and passion for making a difference in the lives of others. And it's a, it feels a lot healthier, a lot, uh, a lot, you know, better mindset. But that earlier fuel, you know, a lot of people have that. I, I was just at a, um, a conference in London, and the, I'm gonna, I would butcher his name, but he's the one that does the podcast Diary of a CEO. 
and he's got the number one podcast in the world and he's amazing. And I saw him live and he talked about that as well, that, you know, cause he's built all these businesses and he's a bazillionaire. And now he does this podcast and he has all these companies and he's doing extremely well. And he's, he's so young. And, you know, he explained, I, I started to do this because I grew up in this horrible environment where I had to prove that I was worthy. And uh, I think a lot of people, you know, I just listened to his podcast with Jada Pinkett Smith and similar, like a lot of people come from the sort of, you know, challenging circumstances mm-hmm. and some are able to overcome and some are not. And so what makes that difference? And that's a lot of what I write about in the book. Awesome. I can't wait to read it. And I hope that you will keep in touch <laughs> with me and let me know when, yes, it, uh, when it comes out. So uh, I will advertise it widely on LinkedIn and <laughs> uh, Facebook, and I will reach out to all everybody it i i want to i want to make it very widely read not for profit reasons but for purpose and right. and really uh i am so purpose driven i don't know that you know eric but i was sick for 2 years and um oh, and i, I almost died and uh because of that experience and everything else that i'd kind of gone through before that i just I, I, one of the things I, I talk about in the book, and it is so true, I never, you know, I'm a spiritual person, but I never said, God, heal me. I never cared about my own healing. I said, you know, if it's my time by then, I'd already won CIO of the year. I'd already won woman of the year. I've already, like, I'd already accomplished personalized learning at home. So I was like, that seems like that was my purpose and I've done it. But I said, but, God, you know, God, if, if I it is not my time, then show me show me my purpose. Show me how to do your work. Let me be the instrument. And uh, because I only want to be here if there's a reason, if I can help others. And and that's actually what's happened. So uh, a month after I was actually better, it I met my love of my life, my husband. And then uh, and then COVID happened, Ugh. and then um, I got the job at, at at Microsoft, and so then I've just been trying to, like I said, lift up the educational world through technology. And I just feel like I've been very fortunate to be at the right place at the right time. You know, I learned virtual learning at Fulton County Schools, and learned from the Michael Horns and Tom Vanderarks how important this is. And um, and so then I was able to lead Fulton to be the first school, the first large district to pivot to remote because we already had done it. We already were ready way more than, than others. And now to be able to bring the generative AI message to the, to the world of education is just, um, it, it, it's, it's an honor. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I'm so glad that you did get through that and I can tell uh, you have lots to do still. Um, there, there's a lot more to accomplish and it's probably not comparable, but I can tell you, I had my scare about, uh, five years ago now, almost five years ago. So I woke up one morning having a stroke Oh and it no! scared the hell out of me. Um, yes. <sighs> and I was doing a startup. I, I was, uh, about one year in on a ed tech startup here in Hong Kong. I had been working crazy and stressed and, you know, wasn't being healthy and, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, yeah. And yes. And God went, you know, stop it's it. A wake I'm, I'm going to just pull you right out, you know, um, stop yeah. doing this to yourself. And so, yes, it is quite a wake up call and it does readjust your priorities and you say, well, if I'm not done, then what am I doing? I better do something important. Exactly. 
<laughs> now. Exactly. Right. Yep. And and I shared this not because it's so unique, but because other people do relate. So I can't tell you every time I tell these stories, <clears throat> people come up to me afterwards at you know live presentations or online and say this happened to me, and yeah. and that's what's so it, it connects humanity. It's like we yes. have we have shared experiences, and people are looking for support. Like how did you do this, and what you know, like we're having this conversation. What makes you tick, and and so it's all about you know community and um, and connecting with others. Yeah. Well, um, together let's change the world. Okay. For the better. For the better. Yes, for the better. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So I want to um I want to ask a little bit about some Microsoft training stuff. So you alluded sure. to earlier the importance of right getting past the fear and getting teachers trained. So I went out and found some of the Microsoft professional development for educators and I took one of the courses. So I took one, okay. I believe is called Empower Educators to Explore the Potential of Artificial Intelligence. And by the way, well okay. done. Um, I thought the course was very good. I actually learned a bit good. because, all right, admittedly, with my wife working for Apple, I have a MacBook and oh. I'm not as up to speed on the Microsoft stuff as I used to be. So I learned some things about the Microsoft tools that are available for educators um, around AI and uh, generative AI and Bing and and create to do uh, you know, some very uh, clever things. Actually, very easy to use. I went and played with the with the tools as well because, um, as you know, I'm a techie and I got to get in there yes. and mess around and and play with things. I can't just read about it or listen to something. I got to go go uh, play. So I did. But how committed is Microsoft to to this track to increasing AI literacy? for teachers and, and how effective has the strategy been? You put these materials out there. Are teachers taking it? Are they implementing things using it? I know, I know you want to hear Serena's answer to that question and you can. You just need to listen to part two of our conversation and you do want to hear her answer. Serena is inspiring. I worked with her and I didn't even realize she contributed to the first version of the project management body of knowledge. I can tell you that is a very big deal. The body of knowledge is the foundation for every major project management system and training program worldwide for like the last 20 years. Anyway, in part two, we will find out how Serena plans to change the world for the better. Stay tuned. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and share. We have more awesome guests lined up and amazing stories of innovation and education that you don't want to miss. Please reach out if you have comments or suggestions. I'm Eric Byron. Thanks for listening to the Education Innovators Podcast. And thanks to all those education innovators out there. You are making a difference. <laughs>